For scripture reading, we turn to Acts chapter 2, and we'll read the first 33 verses. The text is the first four, which I will not reread. We'll read uh, the first 33 verses of Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice, and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, 
which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. So far we read from the Holy Scriptures this morning. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, we consider this morning the event of Pentecost. We consider the pouring out of the Spirit, Christ pouring out his Spirit upon his bride, the church. And we consider what happened on that day and what it meant. We see that in the very narrative that we, that we read, that there was a question about what does this mean? Why has this happened? The sound that they heard and this speaking in other languages, they asked question, isn't it the case that these men are from Galilee? How is it then that we hear them speaking in the language in which we were born? What meaneth this? And then it was explained that Christ has been raised from the dead that he's been exalted to the right hand of God, that he has received the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and poured out the Spirit upon the church. And that Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is in us. What a joy to have the Spirit of Christ within us, to know that the same one who died for us 
is within us. He dwells within us by his spirit. What a joy the disciples had. They sorrowed as they heard about Jesus was going to depart from them. Then they hear the, they, they hear of the news and many are there at the time when our Lord was crucified. He was hated and he was crucified. He was dead and buried. And then on the third day, there was the joy as they heard the news of the resurrection and as they started to talk to one another about what they had heard about the resurrection and some saw the risen Lord. Yet he would appear at certain times and then he'd be gone. And then some 10 days ago, we gathered together to talk about that event when he ascended into heaven and he was out of their sight. And then they were told that he would return in like way as he had, like manner as he had departed. He had told them to wait in Jerusalem. He had told them about the pouring out of the spirit. And when this event took place, as Peter explained it, they were hearing that the same Christ that they knew, that they loved, that had died for them, that had been raised from the dead, that Christ was alive, was reigning, and he had poured out his spirit upon them, and he was within them. Christ in us. When we think about the spirit being poured out, We are, our mind is directed to the fact that the Christ who died for us is in us, leads us, comforts us, and dwells with us. That on the one hand, he has departed from us, but on the other hand, it's also the case that he dwells within us by his spirit. And that those in whom the spirit dwells delight to speak of the wonderful works of God. That's what they spoke about. We hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. They spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. With joy and gladness declaring the wonderful works of our God who has saved us from our sins. We consider this text under the phrase, the Spirit poured out. We consider, first of all, the event, secondly, the meaning, and then thirdly, the declaration, the Spirit poured out. The text begins and says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. The word Pentecost means 50th. And this event, the, the day of Pentecost, was in relation to what had happened, uh, the, the Passover feast. If you go back 50 days, 
If you go back 50 days from the day of Pentecost, you're going to be around the time of the Feast of Passover. And the events that we consider, the pouring out of the Spirit, we are to consider this event in connection with the cross. Passover, we think of the cross. We think of Christ and offering the perfect sacrifice. He's the lamb. And now we're talking about the spirit of Christ being poured out. And we see the connection between those two in Acts chapter 2. It talks about his death. It talks about his resurrection. It talks about his ascension. And it talks about his pouring out of his spirit. It was a time where there, the Jews would be gathered around from many locations. There are many references, a number of you know, a number of them. When you look at the book of John, for example, and take note of how many times Jesus came to Jerusalem at the time of the feast days. Even in John 2, John 5, John 7, John 10, John 12, and so, for example. Times when Jesus would come at a time of a feast. And one of the purposes of that, one of the, one of the purposes of, the, of him coming to the feast, I mean, they were to gather together at those feast times, but in the providence of God, this would be used for the news to get to various areas. As people would be gathered around from these different regions and they would come together to Jerusalem at the time of the feast and then when Jesus would teach at that time or here at this time or earlier when Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead and that that was at a time period where there were all these people gathered around that that event would happen at a time when there were Jews from all around there. And now this significant event, Pentecost, would take place also at a time when there were people gathered around from many areas. So that the news then, when they went back, the news would spread. There would be many witnesses, and it would spread into many areas. The news about the cross, the news about the resurrection, the news about the pouring out of the Spirit and the ascension before it. In the book of Acts, we read of Paul also going to Jerusalem, wanting to go to Jerusalem at a time of a feast. And again, when going to Jerusalem at such times would be an opportunity to be able to bring the word to people and for the word to go out to various locations. We're told they were all with one accord in one place. We read earlier in chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That was chapter 1, verse 14, and now again we read of the believers staying together. They were all with one accord 
in one place, the unity, the unity of the people of God. And they were in some house. It says that it makes a reference to a house somewhere. They were at Jerusalem and somewhere at a house there is where they were located. And it was mid-morning. Peter brings that up when people, after this event takes place, and when people say, the, some people are mocking, saying they're filled with new wine. And Peter points out that the third hour of the day, this is mid, this is mid-morning. And then in the morning, mid-morning, they, the Spirit is poured out. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Son, the Spirit sent by Christ, there is this sound. The sound from heaven. You think the sound from heaven. Christ has been exalted to heaven. He's pouring out the Spirit. And this sound, it could be heard that this sound is coming from heaven. You think when you hear a sound, you hear a loud sound and you wonder, now where is that sound coming from? And in this case, it was a sound that was, that's, that sounded from heaven. And it was the sound, if it was described, what is that a sound of? What does that sound like? It sounds like a rushing mighty wind. It does not say that there was this wind blowing everything around and that everybody had to grab a hold of things to keep them from blowing away, but that it was the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. The word that's translated spirit in the Old Testament, a word translated spirit is sometimes translated breath, like in Psalm 33, verse 6. The word translated, translated spirit is sometimes translated wind, as in Job 15, verse 2. This sign, the sound of a rushing mighty wind, directs us to think about the power power of the Spirit. The Spirit is the eternal power and might of God. The Belgian Confession says the Word, the, the Son is the Word of God. He's the wisdom of God. He's the image of God, the Son. The Spirit is the power of God, the eternal power of and might of God who saves his people God saves his people by irresistible grace God accomplishes his purpose the spirit the eternal power and might of God this sound as of a rushing mighty wind directs us to think about the work of the power of God Tongues. It says then there were these cloven tongues like as of fire 
and it sat upon each of them a tongue as of fire. The Spirit sanctifies us. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, cleanses us, sanctifies us. We talk about God the Son and our redemption, God the Holy Spirit and our sanctification. And God's Word, God's Word is said to be as a fire. There's a number of passages where we read of that, both in the Old Testament and in the New. We read here of tongues as a fire, and then they're going to speak. And God's Word, God's Word is said to be as a fire. We read in the prophecy of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 5, verse 14. Wherefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, Behold, because ye speak this word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire, and this people wood, and it shall devour them. I will make my words in thy mouth fire. And this people would. Similarly, we read in the book of Revelation. Revelation 11, verse 5. Speaking about the the two witnesses. God says in Revelation 11, verse 3, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy. And then verse 5, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Fire. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. Fire. I will make my word, thy words in my, I will make my words in thy mouth, fire. Here we read of tongues as of fire. The sanctifying spirit working in us and the church speaks the words of God and declares God's wondrous works. The spirit speaking in us and we are to declare the wondrous works of our Lord. Bringing out, too, the importance of listening to the Spirit. When they spoke in tongues and as they spoke the wonderful works of God, the fact that the Spirit was poured out and they speak these wondrous works brings out, this is the Spirit speaking. We're to hear what the Spirit says. Every time we open the scriptures, we're to think of that. The book of Revelation says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The scriptures are God-breathed. The men who wrote them inspired by the Spirit. The Spirit speaks in the proclamation of the gospel. When the true gospel is being proclaimed, 
We are to heed the words spoken by the Spirit. Christ speaks. Christ pours out his Spirit and speaks through the church. To all nations. Fascinating aspect of this whole event was the fact that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's been, such, there's been discussion about exactly what, what was that? How did that happen? Seems it may, it may have been that when, any, when a person's one of the disciples that was speaking in a, in a tongue, for a moment they could, under, they could speak a language that before they didn't know. So that now if they were talking to somebody, say, that spoke French today, we could say somebody that spoke French, now they, they could speak French and talk to that person in French. And if another person was Russian, then they could speak Russian to that person. And then the people were wondering, aren't these, these men are all from Galilee? Aren't, they, aren't these men Galileans? How is it that we hear them speak in the tongues wherein we were born? And then it lists the specific places where these people were from. It lists them, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and so on. But as they would hear the, the word of God explained in a known language then, was not an unknown language. They said, we're hearing them speak in the language in which we were born. Now, there, were, there was common language that people spoke. People spoke Aramaic. There were people that spoke Greek. There were common languages that people from different regions could speak so there could be communication between one another from different regions. But then there were also the language in which they were born from their specific region. And that's what they were taking note of, is that they're actually speaking to us in the language in the region from which we come. What, what does this mean? It had to have impressed upon them the importance of bringing the word to the people in all these regions, speaking the word and explaining it to them in, a, in the language that they could understand. The gospel was supposed to go to all nations. And Jesus had said that before his ascension. And he talked about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He, he told them that they were supposed to bring the word to the nations. Now this event happens they speak in these different languages, which would have been pressed upon them. This gospel really is supposed to go to the nations. When I say to all the nations, that really is where the gospel is being sent, to the nations. The gospel is to go forth. The disciples are to bring the word to the nations as God guides them. The Spirit Christ would gather a Catholic church out of all the nations of the world. 
the spirit who unites us to Christ, the spirit who works in us faith. We recently had a Lord's Day on the Holy Spirit, bringing out that idea that the spirit is the one that unites us to Christ. He applies to us that which we have in Christ. He works in us faith. He sanctifies us. One day he will raise our bodies from the dead. Those who die before our Lord returns. What, what does this event mean from the viewpoint of what was different now? When we talk about the work of the Spirit, it was the case that God's people were saved by grace in the old dispensation, too. What, what is different now? When now the, the Spirit is poured out upon all flesh, and when it says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, what was the difference? What is the meaning of this event from that point of view? There was a change now from the old dispensation to the new dispensation. It was taking place with the coming of Christ. And now with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit poured out. There was the church had a deeper understanding. That's one thing that's noted. It's noted how Peter stands up and explains these different scripture passages. We recognize that the Spirit guides us into truth. Jesus, that's one of the things Jesus said. He referred to him as the Spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. The disciples were supposed to preach to the nations, but wait for the Spirit, the pouring out of the Spirit. They would have a, a better understanding of the Scriptures. The Spirit who works in us faith, who causes us to, to grow, they would have a deeper understanding to be able to proclaim the Word of God to the nations. All flesh... We think in the old dispensation, there were some that were prophets. There were some that were priests. There were some that were kings. In the old dispensation, there was one who had the king during the time of like David and Solomon and the kings of, of Judah, that uh, Israel and then Judah. There was somebody who was the king. Well, now the king has come. We understand the difference. It pointed back in the old dispensation, it pointed to the fact that there is one anointed one, one king who's coming. Well, now the king has come. And the king has poured out his spirit upon the members of his body. And we are all led by his spirit. We all partake of his anointing. So that we're all prophets, priests, and kings. Young and old, adults, children, male, female. We're all prophets. 
The anointed one has come, the Messiah, which means anointed one has come. And we partake of his anointing, and he gives us the power that we need for the work to which we are called. We also take note that in the old dispensation there was the gathering at the times of these different ceremonies like this event, Pentecost. There was the Passover. There was this event, Pentecost. There was the Feast of Tabernacles. There were different times when the people would gather together the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem. They gathered together there. This event pointed to the idea that the Spirit dwells in God's people. God's people, the church is the house of God. The church is the place where the Spirit of God dwells. There was a change in the old dispensation. It wasn't the case. It wasn't the case that Israel and the church are two different peoples of God. That's a common teaching. God was gathering his church in the old dispensation. We bring that out in the article of the Heidelberg Catechism on the church. He was gathering his church in the old dispensation. There's one people of God gathered in both dispensations. The old dispensation is said to be the church in its days of its childhood. And there were these pictures, these uh, types and shadows, pictures in the Old Testament days. Now that, it, we, uh, at, now that the, the Christ has come, now that the Spirit is poured out, now we're not having those types and shadows of the, the way we did in the old dispensation. Now there is not that we don't have to gather together at the, at the temple. It's not to gather together at the temple and, and offer sacrifices. The sacrifice has been offered. Christ has offered the sacrifice. The house of God the place where the spirit dwells that's the church the church is the house of God here they were gathered together in one place and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they speak the word of God bringing out that this is where the spirit of Christ is this is the house of God where Christ's Spirit dwells in his people. And you can see the work of the Spirit when they talk. They declare the wonderful works of God. That's the central mark. The central mark of a true church is the pure preaching of the gospel, the good news. The Spirit is where you hear the gospel proclaimed, the wonderful works of God. It's the Spirit who speaks through the church. There is where 
The Spirit dwells there is the house of God where the truth of the gospel is being proclaimed. The truth of salvation by grace alone, that Christ has accomplished our salvation, that he has done what, was, what was, we needed for our redemption, that our Redeemer has come, that he has paid for our sins, that he's, that he's purchased for us the blessings of salvation and that we have salvation based solely on what Christ our Lord has done and not on the basis of anything, anything that we do. The good news of the gospel, where that is proclaimed, there, there is where the Spirit is. The Spirit speaks through the church of Jesus Christ. Bringing out to the word to listen then to the work, the word of God spoken through the church of Jesus Christ. We take note of that when we look at our confessions. We think of what the church has spoken in the past. When we talk about the spirit guiding us into all truth, we bring that subject up when we talk about our creeds. God said... Christ said, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. And he has guided the church in the past to write the creeds that we have. And we don't say that they're infallible. We don't say there's no possibility that there could be errors in them. The scriptures are the only infallible authority. But we do say that, the, that God has guided the church in the past to make to summarize what scripture teaches in our confessions and the great importance of us holding to that doctrine the apostles a summary of the apostles doctrine as we have it in our confessions proclaiming the good news the good news of the gospel and this is one people of God not two one way to point that out is to take note of the fact that the scriptures when it speaks of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit it speaks of the Holy Spirit pouring poured out upon Israel some say Pentecost is the beginning of a new people of God the church The Old Testament spoke about the Spirit being poured out upon Israel. And when we talk about the Spirit being poured out upon Israel and pouring about, out upon the church, this is one people, not two. We read of the fact that the Spirit would be poured out upon Israel in Isaiah 44, for example. Verse 2. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Fear not, O Jacob, it says. And then the next verse, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. Who is he talking to? Jacob 
The Old Testament spoke about the Spirit being poured out upon Israel. Promised to Israel that the Spirit would be poured out upon Israel. And we talk about the Spirit being poured out upon the church. That's not two different peoples of God. One people of God gathered in both dispensations. And Galatians 4 brings out, as we already mentioned, that the distinction is the church in its childhood in the old dispensation with the pictures, the types and shadows, and now the church as it grows and matures in the new dispensation. We don't have the types and the shadows as we did. We still have some signs, like the sacraments, for example. We still have some signs. But the Spirit has now been poured out upon the church. And God is gathering a people out of all nations. We think of this event in connection with what happened at Babel. So many years before this, it was the case that sinful man was trying to unite together. And they're going to build a kingdom against God, against his people. They rejected the word of God. God confounds their speech. And we know that that's the beginning of all the different nations, all the different languages. We often talk about creation and the flood and how many people don't teach rightly about creation. If you ask them, how did the earth get here? And you hear the explanation that they will give and you say, that's not what the scriptures say. Or if you were to ask them, do you think the earth was ever completely covered with water? And if people say, well, that's impossible. Then the scriptures say it was. Another question could be asked, how did it happen that we speak all these different languages? How did that ever come about? The world would give its answer as to how that happened. We know what happened. The scriptures tell us. It directs us to think about the sin of man. As they were working together sin and sinfully, God confounds their speech. Now there's all these different languages. People in different areas speaking different languages. And now we read of how the gospel is going to go forth to these different nations. The good news of the gospel to be brought forth to the nations. That they might hear the good news. That is an important, a very important task to which we are called. You think of the ones that were there at this event, how that would have been impressed upon them. Maybe if you were one of them that could speak a different language for a while. So for a while you could speak, however long it was, that you were able to speak, and the other person could hear you in the language in which they were born. 
impressing upon the people this good news is to go to the nations. The nations are to hear this word, the gospel, the good news about salvation. We're to be diligent in that work. We're to be diligent in the work of witnessing where we are. We're to be diligent in that work as a church and as churches. And there will be times where there are disappointments. There have been in the past. And there will be. There will be times when there's disappointments. There will be times when there's opposition. We've been going through what Paul went through on his missionary journeys. We just looked at the first missionary journey and the what the joys and also the the opposition that they faced but they kept going the lord has called us to that important work of bringing the word to the nations bringing out to the importance of us having more men preparing for the work of the ministry of the gospel for the young men here to think of that work, whether it be the case that the Lord has called you to that work, to be a minister of the word, whether it be in our, one of our instituted churches or on the mission field, to prepare for that work. We can continue to look to God to send forth laborers, the calling to bring the good news to the different nations to declare that gospel they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now that word there gave them utterance is a word that brings out speaking out to speak out to declare the same word is then used when Peter, standing up, lifted up his voice and said unto them that it's used in that verse as well. The declaring of this work, saying this is the word of God. That there's a common speech when we talk to one another. And then a declaring, saying, this is the word of God. This is the word that we proclaim. It's God's word. Peter lifted up his voice and said to the people, preach the good news. The Spirit gave them utterance, the Spirit. You recall Jesus talking to his disciples and saying, Beware of men. They will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues and you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, 
but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. The spirit of your father. The Holy Spirit. Here called the spirit of the father. The spirit that proceeds from the father and from the son. Sometimes called the spirit of the son. The spirit of Christ. It's not ye that speak. But the spirit within you. We ask God for to be led by the Spirit. As we proclaim the gospel, we pray that God would guide the ministers of the word by his Spirit, that what they speak may be the wonderful works of God in our witnessing to others. As we are to tell others, this is the word of God. That on the one hand, when we witness to others, it's different than the public proclamation of the gospel to a large group. Yet, one thing that's similar is that when we witness to others, we do tell people, this is what the word of God says. This is the scriptures. This is what the gospel is. Now, there is a distinction, of course. There are some points that are difficult to understand. There are some points where brothers and sisters are struggle together to understand them. There are fundamental points, like the points that we have in our confession. There are fundamental points that we say we have no doubt that these things are true. That God unconditionally chose certain people that Christ died only for them. He laid down his life for his sheep, that he saves his people by irresistible grace, that man by nature is totally depraved, saved by irresistible grace, that he will be preserved, that he can never fall out, that election is unconditional, that salvation is unconditional. These are fundamental doctrines. There's no question about these. We keep looking to God to guide us for a fuller understanding of points that we do not yet understand. And when there's disagreement, we're to discuss these things as brethren and work together for a deeper understanding of those points. Looking to him to guide us and for us to learn. That we're all learning. Throughout our whole life, we're learning. So we proclaim the gospel, but not as those that have nothing to learn ourselves. We proclaim what we can say. We know this is the word of God. And on points that we're not yet understanding fully, we're constantly looking to God to guide us. There's constant need for growth. And the Lord will guide us. The Spirit will guide us into all truth. There will be times when there's erring, times when there has to be correction. But he will guide us, even as he has guided the church in the past. We delight to exalt the name of our God. They were telling one another, they were proclaiming the wonderful works of of God. Wonderful works. A term that means 
magnificent or wonderful, but in the plural. So translated as wonderful works of God. To talk about his greatness. The greatness of our God. And his wonderful works. To witness as those in whom the Spirit dwells. So that when we're talking about Christ, when we're telling others about what Christ has done for us, we also talk about what Christ has done in us. That he dwells in me by his Spirit. He's the one that works in me faith. Faith was a gift. It's not a condition. It's a gift. He worked it in me. That's why I believe and know I don't have perfect faith. And I don't serve God with the zeal that I ought. But I do believe the Spirit has worked in me that faith. And I delight to tell others the wonderful works of my God that has saved me. I want others to hear. Others in, in different nations to hear. In, a lang in the language they can understand. We delight to tell others the good news. The Lord has saved us by his grace. May we thank him and tell others the news. We have work to do. We, are, we partake of the anointing of our Lord. May we encourage one another in that work and praise his holy name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, and our Father, we thank thee, O Lord, for the work of the Spirit within us, the work of the Spirit within our children, the work of the Spirit in thy people in all nations, as we are gathered together, united as one people that has been gathered together in both dispensations. May we magnify thy name and proclaim thy glorious works. Lord, grant that grace to us and to our children. Forgive our sins and deliver us from evil. For Christ's sake, amen.